Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 K. And now Nugent Hopkins chasing. Schmaltz in over the line. Dishes, wrist shot, score. Derek Stepan wins it top left corner against a beaten Nico Koskinen and the Oilers drop a 3-2 decision to Arizona. That's the one that decides it tonight at Rogers Place. Derek Stepan 2-0-1 into overtime. 3-2 Arizona takes it. The Oilers had tied it late in the third period on Gaetan Haas's first ever NHL goal. Arizona had the lead in this game in the second period. They went ahead 2-1 on a goal by Soderberg and they kept applying the pressure. They were very good in the second period, and there were some moments where it looked like they might be able to extend that lead. But then as we got deeper into the second period, the Oilers picked it up, had pressure on a couple of power plays. They couldn't tie it. But in the third, pretty much all Edmonton, they outshot Arizona 9-3, finally got that tying goal to get a point out of this, but they cannot quite get two. So Edmonton's record 10-4-2 now on the season. Arizona moves to 9-4-1. How about this? Ever since losing their first two games of the year, they've gone 9-2-1 in their last 12. So a couple of teams who maybe were picked as bubble teams or non-playoff teams going into this season, both looking good in the Pacific Division so far. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 9.58 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey presented by World of Spas. Overtime Open Line presented by Heartland Ford. Well, kind of a game of two halves I was just touching on, Rob. I mean, you had Arizona play pretty well through about the first 35 minutes and maybe some chances where, you know, they could have gone up 3-1 and really had control, but the Oilers slowly came on, controlled the third period, and did enough to earn the point. Well, you knew it was just a matter of time, or you felt it was just a matter of time before the Oilers were going to be able to tie the game up. Uh, they were controlling the play. They were forcing turnovers. And there was a, a little bit of panic in the Arizona Coyotes game in the third period. You didn't see it through the first 40 minutes, but in the third period, they started turning pucks over. They started icing the puck over and over, missing easy plays, not getting pucks in deep, things that they were very good through the first 40, and that's you know, a reflection of a team that hasn't been a winning team for a long time. It's still trying to find its way. Uh, but the Oilers pushed, and they pushed, and it was a good finish for the Oilers because they got some unlikely guys that were part of the tying goal. Benning puts the puck on net. Hawes tips it, Cassian's in front of the net with the screen. So it wasn't reliant on their big players to come through because uh, the Arizona Coyotes did a fairly good job on Leon and, and Connor tonight, so someone else had to step up, and they did. It, it, to me, it was a pretty big shift in the third period. What, what's that line? And you would have been in games like that. What's the line between, okay, we're up one or two going to the third, so we got to be smart, we got to protect... But then you run the risk of, like you said, I thought the Coyotes looked a, a, a little fatigued. They really didn't have a scoring chance in the third period. I, I honestly thought, and it was funny while it was going on, I was thinking in my head that if the Coyotes were tied going into the third period, they would have been a better team. Honestly, I, I think they did because they went into a prevent. And, uh, I mean, how many times did they ice the puck? And every time on a faceoff, they weren't even trying to make a play coming out of their own zone. They were going off the glass and out. Uh... To get into the red line, they got some guys with speed in the first 30 minutes of this game. They're trying to hit guys wide and make plays. In the last 30 minutes of the game, they were getting to the red line, dumping it in and changing. So I do believe that if they played a little too defensive, they went into too much of a shell, and the Oilers kept pushing and pushing. You know, so that it's a bit of both things. The Oilers actually got better. They felt it. They'd have one or two good shifts in a row, then it would turn into three, four good shifts. So it was, uh, uh, I mean... 
the Oilers got their point. Both teams deserve a point in this one, and then it's just a matter of who has the better play in overtime. And a, a really, really smart play by Schmoltz in, in overtime. Uh, he fooled. He fooled R&H and turned it into a two-on-one. Uh, and a good finish for the for the Arizona Coyotes. But goaltending was uh, strong again tonight, and the Oilers got some secondary scoring, so there's some positives. And full credit to the Coyotes for, for them having the lead. And, and I think we've seen, I mean, we're 16 games in now. I think the Oilers are a faster team than last year. They're a better skating team than last year. A couple of their better skaters are out with Nygaard and Archibald. But they still seem to have a, problems, maybe not as many as last year, but some problems against the really quick teams. Clearly, we saw it in, in Pittsburgh with all the shots. Now, the, the shot total was much lower tonight. Edmonton actually wound up with a 28-24 advantage. But... You'd, I thought the Coyotes, their speed and also their their peskiness created problems for the Oilers, especially, again, especially in the first half of the game. They, they were irritants. It was just nonstop. Anytime the Oilers had the puck, there'd be one, then two, then three layers of defense that the Coyotes threw at them. And in the first half of the game, the Coyotes were very good at transitioning. If there was a turnover, bam, they were gone the other way and they're they're getting numbers. They, they actually squandered a number of really good scoring chances odd man rushes where they didn't get shots on it they had a four on two at one point in the second period where they didn't get a shot on net so uh, they are a good team I think they're going to be a playoff team and I know that Jack and, and Bob were talking about it at the end of the game there's a lot of teams right now in the Western Conference that you would not have been expecting to be where they are teams that you would not to be expecting to be playoff teams and Edmonton Arizona Vancouver Anaheim they are they're collecting points and you've got to imagine that teams that are lower in the standings like the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks are going to eventually find their games and be the teams that you, you thought they were this is going to be a fun race and why these points that you are uh, accumulating right now why it was so important to get a point here in the last five six minutes of the game because this is going to be a fun race throughout the the season because there's there are a number of teams that are much better than they have been in the past, and they're going to be pushing for playoff spots. The, the Oilers are first in the Pacific based on points, but Vancouver would actually have the best points percentage, couple games in hand on Edmonton, uh, Arizona, also with a couple games in hand on Edmonton as they get up to 9-4-1. Uh, to and one. So, yeah, it is. And, and, I mean, Arizona is earning it, and, and we spent a lot of, well, we spent a lot of this season talking about the Oilers goaltender, goaltenders. Darcy Kemper, who, I mean, two years ago, if I would have said to you, okay, Rob, two years from now, is Darcy Kemper going to be one of the best goalies in the league or out of the NHL? If I would have given you those two options, you probably would have said out of the NHL. Well, he comes in with a 942 save percentage and stops 26 out of 28 tonight. Only Tuka Rask has better numbers in terms of save percentage. He was good. He battles. Uh, there was a number of odd-looking saves that he made out there tonight. Uh, if it wasn't for him, the Coyotes wouldn't have got a point at all in this game, let alone two. The third period, he made three or four big saves when he needed to. Uh, they are they are a well-coached team. They've got speed. I, I don't know if they've got it. I know they have Kessel, but I don't, they don't have the top-end talent that some of the other teams are around the National Hockey League have. So they're probably going to have to win the 3-2 games because they're not going to probably blow out a lot of teams. But they this is a team that uh, it just continues to get better. We saw them last year push for a playoff spot. And that was with a number of big injuries. Uh, I, I I like the way they play, and they will be a challenge for anyone that's going to play them down the road. So it was a it was a huge comeback for a point tonight for the Oilers. Unfortunately, losing to a division guy, giving up the second one. All right, Coyotes take it three two in overtime. You can chime in by calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text us at six thirty six thirty. But first, let's go down to the Hall of Fame room, courtesy GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices. GCLDiesel.com. Here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. How would you see that game? The clock, middle of the ice. Tight game. Tight game. In the end, mistakes determine the outcome. We made a couple mistakes to give them their goals. And first goal, tough goal. That's that's one that costs got to have. Second one is a bad turnover by Pearson, and then. We're chasing the game a little bit. I like where we we're hanging around. Our execution wasn't very good. We were kind of tinkering with things to see if we could find some players that could execute enough to get us back in the game. And we got ourselves back in the game, and then you get into overtime, it's a crapshoot. 
With uh, with some of the turnovers, Dave, do you view it more as a little bit careless, or is it? No, it's poor. Ex it's poor execution. Poor execution by players that either are trying to make a better play than that's available, or just not dealing with the speed and executing at that speed, and not getting done. Like they're just not plays aren't getting made. And some of them in the other team checks hard. I mean, you got to, but there's there's plays that have to get made. I call them NHL plays that have to get made. We didn't have enough of them the first half of the game. Second half of the game, we started to make some. Does, does Chase on just seem half a step behind? He just can't get to the pucks, or my what? He, you know, we I put him in that place to give him a good opportunity tonight, and there wasn't a lot happening there. Just a lot of pucks going through him, like just things. There's not, just not much generating there. Not just tonight, but the last seven, eight games, the offense is, you know, is, hasn't been getting much going. Is that a symptom of anything, or is it just uh, one of those stretches that happen? Uh, no, that's that's. We got to work hard for our goals. The execution part of it is can be better, but we got to work hard for our goals. So in a game like today, do you lament the ones you gave up or the ones you didn't score? How do you look at that? Uh, in a game like this where it's going to be very tight, I don't like giving up easy ones. They're too hard to get, so why give up easy ones? Right? And, and we had, I mean, both teams had some chances. I thought we pushed as the game went on. Third period, I thought we were pushing, but they clogged things up, and Kemper's a good goalie, right? So you, gotta, you can't give easy stuff away. I don't care who you're playing in the league, you can't give easy stuff away. And, and when you do, you're chasing the game. And in our situation where we've, uh, we're not exactly leading the league in goals scored, so it's, uh, you got to find a way to stay in the game. Uh, it seemed to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the standard of officiating kind of got a little bit lax. As <laughs> I'm not, yeah. But I'm, I'm just curious how you felt like your, your four hours yeah, pushed through. Uh, I'll worry about our execution ahead of the referee's execution today. But, yeah, I, I, there's, you get frustrated. Every game there's frustrating calls here or there, and some go for you, some go against you. So it's, that, wasn't, that wasn't the, uh, that didn't determine the outcome tonight. Harrison didn't play, I don't think, after that giveaway. Is that just because he has to learn to move his feet more? or is He struggled the whole game. He had a tough night. He had a tough night. The pace of the game was uh, uh, just a little bit much for him to handle tonight, so we had to play somebody else in that place. Is that because he's played in Europe where there's more time, or does he just want to slow it down to his own pace? Uh, you know, it's a fast-paced game, a hard game. For whatever reason, it just you just didn't have it tonight, so we played somebody else. All right, that's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. They lose in overtime 3-2 to the Arizona Coyotes. Derek Stepan got the game winner. The Oilers scorers were McDavid and Haas. Haas's first NHL goal. You'll hear from him a little bit later on. Well, a lot of good stuff there from uh, Dave Tippett. Didn't like the execution. He made that comment that the the Oilers, especially I think the, the first half of the game, weren't making NHL plays, difficult plays but ones you need to make to, to stay alive. Well, if you look at the, the two goals that Arizona scored in the first half of the game, one, Leon gave the puck away in the neutral zone. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a play where he was the lone man back. He had four guys back. But he gave the puck away, and then it was a, a, you know, a short, hat, short side shot that Koska normally would save and should have had. And then the Parison goal, you got to get the puck in deep. you got to make sure it gets past the, the guy coming out on the boards because if it doesn't, you're in an odd man situation going back the other way. So those were just two of a number uh, of giveaways over the first 30 minutes. And again, Dave Tippett touched on it too. The other team sometimes pushes hard. And that's what creates turnovers because now you have to make your decisions quicker. You have to move your feet quicker. You got to get the puck off your stick quicker. There's not that time to look for the perfect play. And sometimes when you get caught thinking too much and you have a quick forechecking team, you put yourself in trouble. The Oilers did that. They corrected it. They got better as it went on. And it's funny, it flip-flopped. Then the Arizona Coyotes started making those exact same mistakes. And the Oilers eventually got their capitalized chance. And then it's just a matter of which team uh, gets the, the or finishes an opportunity in overtime because both teams have them. And then whichever team finishes, that obviously is the one that gets the extra point. Game 16 of the season, I'm trying to think back. 
probably the first goal other than the ones where Smith gave the puck away as, as a puck handler, not so much as a goaltender. Coyote's first goal tonight, I mean, probably the first one where we were saying absolutely for sure that shouldn't go in. I mean, there's always some goals where you're going to think, okay, well, maybe he could have stopped it. But, I mean, that one, one on four, not a great angle shot. Yeah. Beats Koskin short side over the blocker. I mean, there's there's bad goals over the course of the season. Every goaltender, I mean, you can talk the best in the league, Rask, Flurry, whoever, Gibson, they all let in bad goals. And the Oilers have done a great job, both goaltenders, of not being, uh, not giving up that goal that you're like, ooh, you know what, probably should right. have had until tonight. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of overcoming it. And the Oilers eventually overcame it. They got the tying goal and gave themselves a chance to win the hockey game. Uh, Tonight, Kemper was just a little bit better in net for Arizona, and not surprising the way his season has started that he had that type of night. The Oilers probably got what they deserved. They got one point. Arizona probably got what they deserved. They got two. Tippett was asked about the refereeing. I think we'll just talk about it now, and thank you for all your texts. I'm not going to read every text <laughs> about the officiating tonight. Uh, I, I think sometimes uh, refs have off nights too. I think there were some... I think I thought there were some odd decisions today, both both ways. Bo- both, not, yes. not, it didn't cost the Oilers the game. No, there, there were there were some. I mean, the Cassian penalty where he didn't touch. Well, it. that was a bad. Call. That was that was a bad call. But there was a couple early that they called like that, or the one where they called uh, when Benning got tra- like some. They were very very uh, not huge, like just little teeny things, and they called right there. Well, then later in the game, they didn't call anything. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl was going down, and the guy, Ekman Larson, knew he was beat, and he'd already been beat once by uh, Connor McDavid the same way, so he grabbed him around the arm. It was a hold for 10 feet. Uh, well, Jujar tripped the player. Tri- right behind the net. And then five and seconds later got cross-checked by that player. But, I mean, the problem that a ref puts himself into, when he lets one or two obvious penalties go, I say, you know what, I'm putting the whistle away. Well, now he can't call something minor he just can't because now they're like you just let seven go but the one that almost cost the coyotes an extra point was jujar tripped the guy behind the net right in front of the referee and then the puck comes out front he has an opportunity to score on that play that i mean that was a terrible play uh nuge hit a guy from behind that could have been a penalty uh there was another play where uh, Connor mcdavid behind the net he got tripped so the referees there was no consistency, and that's what frustrates hockey players. There's no consistency. If you're going to call this in the first period, you better call it in the third period because that's the way we've been playing. Now you're asking us to adjust our game because you've decided to, to referee a different way. All right, you can text 630-630. This person says, please assess Darnell Nurse's play on the overtime goal. He seemed lost to me on the rush, and especially as he came back on the play. To me, and I've got a few texts from people that are asking about that too. To me... I like looking at the great play that the Coyote player made. Uh, he waited for uh, Darnell to move his stick out of the passing lane, then he threw it across. Um, y- your goal is to obviously not allow the pass across on a two-on-one. But I don't know how many times we've seen over the course of the last few years where Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl go down and they make actually not just one pass, but two passes. Uh, good players get the puck through. Um, I didn't have as much a problem with that. I mean, the play was, the mistake was made in the offensive zone, R&H bit on the, the play where Schmaltz looked like he was going to go back. He turns. Now he's beat him up the ice, and it's a two-on-one. I mean, you'd have to ask. I, that'd be a question to ask the defenseman coach because as an offensive player, I just thought it was a great play by Schmaltz getting it across the step, and, and that's the way I look at it. 3-2, the Coyotes beat the Oilers in overtime. That means a $50 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy Ascendant Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca. They're given 25 bucks for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season. All right, let's go down to the visiting dressing room, courtesy BDO First Call Debt Solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. The Coyotes are coached by Rick Talkin. Literally took a village here tonight, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it was... 
hard-fought game. Uh, Oilers were coming in the third. You know, they got a lot of possession and uh, hung in there. We hung in there. We tracked back. How big was the Grabner goal after the early McDavid goal to, to respond and, and stabilize? Yeah, it was big. Yeah, to, to get one back, kind of settle things down for us a little bit. But uh, when those guys are him and Dreissel on the ice, it's uh, they're scary guys. And it was a five-man unit. What did you see from the attention to detail, especially when that line was out there from your group? Uh, for the most part, in the neutral zone, I thought we did a nice job against them. Yeah. You know, uh, when those guys wind it up, you got to make sure you're above them. Um, if you're not above them, you know, you could, you know, like McDavid's goal. We should, you know, one of our players should have been above, and you know, we got we got beat wide, and, and that's just the way he is. Such a talented player. Is that a vintage Carl Soderberg goal? Looked like a snowplow out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good shot. Carl it was a good shot. Was, they, that line was good for him. You know, that was a good, it was a good goal to get that uh, the, you know to make it two to one. Possession is key in overtime. It looked like you guys were on your heels for a little bit there, but how did you see that winning goal breakdown? Good. I mean, actually, I didn't think we were, I thought we were okay in overtime. You know, they had that uh, chance. Goose had a chance, and then uh, we just wanted some possession. Um, glad Step scored. You know, it was, it was a nice goal for Step. We needed that, and Schmoltz with a nice play. You were down to 4D at the start of OT. Do you know anything about Osterley or Demers? Uh, not, not at this moment. I know uh, Oz is talking, you know, looking at the doctors right now. Uh, protocol there. Quick turnaround. You get it back to counter tomorrow. I guess just then you're gonna keep this momentum going. Yeah. We got a couple guys banged. You know, it's, it's uh, the world that we live in. You know, you got to be ready to play. Uh, Calgary's a good hockey club. You know, got to, you know 24 hours to get energized again and go right in the go into Calgary. Did you see from Jacob Chickren tonight? Uh, Chick was good lad down low. I thought he uh, did a real nice job uh, pinning guys, being aggressive. You know, that's when Chick's at his best. And I thought he did he, he did a nice job of like stopping cycles. You know, that's we need our D to do that. And he he was really good at that. We were talking about Clayton Keller for a good portion of the game. You had him out there with uh, Connor and obviously a small. Were you trying to reignite some chemistry that Nick and Clayton had a year ago? Yeah. Yeah, they had a pretty good game last game, and uh, you know they, they they did a nice job. I mean, those guys are uh, you know I think especially early on I think Gars had a couple of good chances. Kells was skating hard, but I thought in the third I thought like I said others were coming and we you know we just we were we're making those passes those crisps you know we iced a few pucks, but uh, like I said we hung in there. Darcy did a nice job again for us tonight. All right, that's Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett. Scott Johnson working the visitors' dressing room. Arizona wins in overtime, 3-2 over the Edmonton Oilers. Let's check the scoreboard quickly for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. It is Boston improving to 11-1-2 on the season. They beat Pittsburgh 6-4. The Senators ring up the Rangers 6-2. Predators pound the Red Wings 6-1. Some good teams there. The Predators starting to play much better hockey. They've got a good team in the Boston Bruins. Uh, they've got, I mean, their number one line. I know that we get to see Connor and Leon each and every night. But if, if there was the, we'll call them the number one line in the East. Marchand, Pasternak, and Patrice Bergeron are as good as any line in the National Hockey League. All right, you can get us. Oh, and Monday Night Football was uh, a win. Big win for, for big Dallas. Win for Dallas. Well, it, was it was relatively close most of the night, but Dallas wins 37-18 over the New York Giants. 780-496-0063. We'll bring Jamie on to overtime open line. Hey, Jamie, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I thought McDavid uh, came back, had a lot more fire than usual this game, and uh, it was amazing to see the Oilers just turn around a game where the Coyotes pressured like I don't think the Oilers really seen so far this year like they were pressuring the puck at every stage their gap was so good and and you just saw them kind of kind of just have trouble with that in the first in the first half of the game like you guys were talking about and I just thought it was great to see the whole team kind of first they've kind of manufactured the goal by by just changing the way they were playing and taking over the game in shots and possession. And like Rob said, they, you could see the goal kind of slowly coming through hard work. And I think it's going to be a very a very great game going forward just for their, their psyche. But that's all I got, guys. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, 10-4-2, uh, and two, you'll take the point out of this one. And I think there are some... There are some definite things, though, that, that we can point to as to why maybe... 
the Oilers were chasing the game. We talked about uh, a goal that hasn't been going in on neither Koskinen nor Smith. Went in early in the first period. The Oilers power play, two opportunities, 0 for 2 at a time where maybe you could have tied the game either late in the second period or early in the third. So that didn't quite uh, come through for them as well. So little things that weren't quite there that prevented you from getting the uh, the two points in regulation. And then obviously in overtime, the I mean, the Oilers have had five games tied after 60 minutes. They've won three of them and, uh, and lost two of them. I think you'd take that 60% over the course of the year in games tied after overtime. And the Oilers should have a bit of an advantage given who they can put out on the ice. No, it was funny too. Did you see that the Coyotes yeah, won, the, right. won the face-off and the defenseman took it back into his own zone and both fours went and changed. They did not like who they had out against Connor and Leon, changed their lineup, and, and that was a long shift too for, for Connor and Leon. They went about a minute and a half, which... Well, that, that was what worried me when they got caught out there because there was a point they wanted to change and, and it looked like they didn't make it, and then they wound up defending about a minute 10 yes. into that shift. Well, Leon, uh, they, the, there was a turnover, and it looked like Leon was going to the bench and then decided to go back into his yeah. own end. I mean, they are fortunate that eventually there was a whistle and they were able to get off the ice because uh, you do not want to get caught out tired in a three-on-three overtime or you're in big, big trouble. Stepan gets the game winner. He's the first star of the game. McDavid, the second star. Haas, who gets his first NHL goal, and you'll hear from him a little bit later on. The fourth star of the game tonight is selected by Rob Brown, courtesy White Eagle Homes, built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options. Visit whiteeaglehomes.ca. Well, and in a game where you lose 3-2 and you're plus 2 with an assist, I'm going to go with you as the four-star. Matt Benning was plus 2 in the game again tonight, assisted on the game-tying goal, had three hits. He's going to be my four-star of the game. And we should touch on what Dave Tippett said, and obviously we, we knew he wasn't out there. Joel Pearson did not play after getting beat by... Soderberg on the goal, so five defensemen for the last half of the game. Yeah, it was funny. At one point, I, I was up in the press box, okay, I was looking on the bench to see if Pearson was injured, if he was uh, not out there, but he was. And as we heard Dave Tibbet talk about, he, it wasn't his strongest night. And in a game that close, you can't afford one mistake. So they went with the five defensemen. They felt we're going to give them the best chance. And the Oilers started pushing forward in the third period. So... Uh, Hopefully that'll be a learning experience for Pearson and finds the game again next game. This texture says the Oilers may have only got a point tonight, but that was a point they would not have got last year. Those are the make-or-break kind of points when you're, you need when you're fighting for a playoff spot. Hey, fair comment. You never know, but this could have been a game. Maybe they're down 3-1 going to the third last year instead of 2-1. Well, yeah, and I think that's on goaltending. The Oilers are getting the saves that they need this year. They're and not... And he did make some good saves. He did. Despite Koskin the first did. goal, he made some good yeah, saves. Yeah, Koskin made some big saves later in the game that where the Coyotes could have extended the lead. And he's that's what the Oilers goalies have done this year. They have not allowed the other team to extend the lead and given the Oilers a chance to come back. All right, here, here's a question, Rob. Uh, this texture says it's a game of missed opportunities. How do you coach some of these players to finish their chances more often than not? <laughs> uh, you can't. You, honestly, you can't. Uh, you, either, you either have a goal scorer or you don't. I mean, all the guys that are lesser goal scorers on all the NHL teams. They stay out after every practice. They work on their shot. They work on tips. They work on things around the net over and over and over and over again. But it's just an instinct. Uh, some players have it. Some players don't. And they'll continue to work on it. A player will miss a backdoor open net or a backdoor open chance. The next practice, he'll go out and work on it and work on it. And hopefully, he'll get better at it. But uh, there's, a reason, there, there's a reason guys that score six goals a year score six goals every year. And there's also a reason guys that score 40, score 40 year after year after year. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. I will throw this out there, though. One thing you can work on, and I often see players working on it after practice, is tipping pucks yep. and, and pucks out of the air. And how did Haas score tonight? I mean, when you this, these are usually drills not set up by coaches there's always time at the end of practice where players can do individual skill obviously coaches help but it's more like a player might say hey we want to do face-offs can you come drop a few but when nhl players every oilers practice i've seen when they practice the tip it is always a shot two to four feet off the ice no, they don't practice yeah, no. tipping pucks along the ice because they know they can do well, that well well that and pucks that come that are shot along the ice normally don't get through 
I mean, anytime a guy shoot on the ice, well, the defenders now used to be the defenseman used to stand behind you, and they would just beat on your back, beat on your back, beat on your back, and, and you would be able to get your stick on pucks. Well, now defensemen front you, so they get out in front of you. If you shoot the puck on the ice, you're going to have to go through not one, not two, but usually three layers of defenders who are trying to get in the way. So that's why pucks are usually about a foot to three, four feet in the air, and you've got to be very good at tipping them. And tonight, perfect example by Benning, just getting the puck on net. Didn't have to be hard, just get it on net. Haas going through the middle tips, it changes direction. Huge goal for Haas. Hermite in Ottawa writes in, he says, hey guys, judging from Tippett's comments and the Oilers' inability to get secondary scoring of late, do you think we will see a call-up or two to shake things up? I would say un- unlikely in the short term because they're going to get Nygaard back and they're going to get Archibald back. Now, obviously those guys only have one goal between them, but they will help the speed on the forechecking, and Shahan will come back and, and play. I mean, he's, he's healthy, but they wanted to give, obviously give Cave another game. I, I still go to, where does, what is Granlund really bringing? Um, honestly, if you're looking at players that are probably going to be in the press box once the players start getting healthy, he'd be the, the easiest one to move out there. I, again, of all the, all the players that the Oilers brought in in the offseason, all of these guys to play in their bottom six, bottom seven, he would probably have had, he was probably the most assured of a spot on this team, just the, the contract he had yeah. and, and his resume. But I think there's been a number of players that have come in and, and outplayed him on a consistent basis. Uh, and here's a, a Colby Caves, probably going to go back to the minors because of his contract when everyone is healthy. He has been the better player over the last couple of games in his games if they're going head-to-head between him and Grandland. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Dean standing by. Hey, Dean, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Uh, if I'm lying, it means I hate my mother. But I, I told my wife before the overtime, I says, I hope they don't put on James Neal in the overtime. And she says, what do you mean? I mean he, he scores so many goals. I says, yes, but they're around the net. He's not a, he's not a dipsy doodler. He's not no pucks possession. He says, well, who would you put out there? I says, I would probably put in Zach Cassian. And so as soon as the puck came to Neal on the scoring play there, I said, oh, my God, here, here comes Neal. And sure enough, it, it did skip over his skate. But I think a faster player would have probably been on that Arizona guy. I don't know who it was. And sure enough, it came up, and he just passed into a thing there. And, and Hopkins, like you said, he did kind of mess up and did it, yeah. and the rest is history. But I've noticed in the last uh, overtimes, uh, whenever Neil was out there, he doesn't have the foot speed, okay? No, he's, he's not. And he's, he was pretty ineffectual in the overtimes. If they put in Cassian, he's got the hands and the foot speed. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I, I will say this. I, I know the first time the Oilers went to overtime this season. I mean, Rob and I always, everybody knows who the, f- the first two out. And then I, I remember Rob and I saying to each other, I wonder who they're going to put out with, with Nugent Hopkins because Neil can shoot and he's a great finisher around the net, but he is, he is not fast. Well, I mean, the Oilers, <laughs> they're limited. <laughs> Once they get past their top three, they're limited on who they can put out there. Um, I, obviously, a Nygaard or an Archibald, if they're back in the lineup, they do have the speed. Uh, I don't know if Archibald has got the finish that uh, a lot of other players that would be in, the, in your three-on-three would have, but he does have the speed. So those are guys that probably would have a better chance of being in, in your three-on-three if they were healthy, but unfortunately they're not. And it's, it's not a... This team tonight wasn't as fast as the Oilers team could be when they are healthy and all the guys from injuries are back. All right, we're also looking for somebody to finish the play at 780-496-0063. We'll have post-game reaction from both dressing rooms. The Oilers settle for a single point tonight, losing 3-2 in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes. More overtime open line courtesy Heartland Ford after the news. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Dishing off, centering pass, glanced off a of body in front, right on net. Koskinen made the save. Patrick Russell, the length of the ice clear. 
All right, that's the save of the game, courtesy Jiffy Loop. Be wise, winterize. Miko Koskinen would have loved to make one more save tonight as his Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes. During that break, Rob Brown and I were literally watching a cat video as there was a black cat on the field at MetLife Stadium during Monday Night Football. And what I like most about that cat, Rob, is when he got into the end zone, he acted like he'd been there before. <laughs> it was funny. It was, as we were saying off air, too, it was a well-fed cat. That cat's eaten well in that, uh, what is it? What's the name of the stadium uh, there? MetLife Stadium. Yeah. yeah. He's, they're, they're not cleaning all the, uh, the food out of there because that cat's getting some. He's a big cat. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the goal light, courtesy Japanese Village, AAA steak, succulent seafood, cooked at your table, celebrate your senses at Japanese Village. The goal light allows you to print a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, but the Oilers got to get the five or more. Only got to two tonight. More of your phone calls in a second. Gaetan Haas, his first NHL goal tonight. Here he is for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices. GCLDiesel.com. Yeah, it's special uh, for sure, uh, but at the end we lose. Uh, I think we come back in the third uh, pretty hard, and uh, it's good that we score this goal and and we get a point. So maybe at the end it's the point we need. So um, yeah, for sure it's not a, not good if you lose, but uh, I think it's a good point. Did you get the puck? Uh, not right now, but uh, like, did you? When did did you know that you scored it? Because they changed the scoring, right? Um, yeah, I know that I touch it, so then I didn't know like if Cass touched it too, he told me probably touch it too, so I don't know at the end who's, who's touched it the last guy, but uh, yeah, good for good uh, for me, good uh, for, for him, he gave me that, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah. Ultimately, that's another comeback effort, but this one falls short. So how difficult is it to always be trying to come back in games? Yeah, it would be better if we stop that and uh, that we, we are the, the team in front. And now it's, it's like this, but uh, you, we show a lot of character. Uh, that's a good sign. If, if you come back uh, a couple of times in the third, uh, that's uh, a sign that the team is ready to to work and have character to, to turn the game so uh, it's it's uh, positive but same side now today we lost so uh, we gotta practice tomorrow and then we come back on uh, Wednesday. Is it just a matter of maybe fine-tuning some things uh, taking care of the puck a little bit more? Yeah I think so I mean uh, second goal uh, shot block shot then they, they go by, uh, back and they score so uh, can happen. It happened a lot of time in the game, and today, um, yeah, that's a goal. Um, but at the end, uh, we have to manage uh, the puck a little bit better and uh, see that we have the certain man high, so he can have the D. Uh, because uh, I think uh, a lot of time they're all uh, a little bit alone, so we have to to have a closer gap between the D and the offense. Gaetan Haas is on the board. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the Coyotes. Brendan Escott working the Oilers dressing room as he does every night here at Rogers Place. Quick check of the uh, out-of-town scoreboard here. Bruins all over the Penguins, 6-4. Senators take down the Rangers, 6-2. Predators over Detroit, 6-1. The Red Wings now fall to 4-11-1 on the season. Okay, 780-496-0063. Good evening, Dennis. Thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, Dennis. I thought I was calling in for that uh, contest for call the oh, play you are. or something. Oh, you are. Sometimes <laughs> people want to talk about the game, too. You just want to win stuff. That's fine by us. Sure, uh, but I have an observation. I think Smith would have been better as a starter tonight, considering how the Yotes played so quick up the middle of the ice. Yeah, fair comment. I, I, I think that the Oilers want to play both their goal, goalies as evenly as they can, and as long as they both give them quality starts, you'll see that. I think that with Smith's age and Koskinen, what we saw last year when he tired, I think they wanted to have both goals as fresh as possible, both goalies as fresh as possible, and so far it's worked. I don't think uh, you can look at what Dave Tippett has decided and say, okay, he made a wrong call here or there. Uh, the goaltenders were good. I mean, the, the Koskinen, the first goal he wants back, but after that I thought he was very good. All right, we are going to finish the play with Dennis. He already has up to eight days parking at Jet Set Parking, the best price on Edmonton Airport parking. Book online at jetsetparking.com. Self-park as low as $5.98 per day with the promo code CHED. Roll it, Kellen. Perfect. 
Gagne has had a strong performance, particularly on cycle plays in the zone. And now Gagne makes another play, throws it in front, shot, save made by Darcy Kemper. Rebound picked up by Carl Soderberg. Well, this is appropriate given Dennis, uh, given who Dennis was asking about. Sam Gagne played for Arizona in the 14-15 season. Dave Tippett coached that team. What other current Oiler Dennis was also a member of that club? Was it Tomasz Yurcho or Mike Smith? Smith. Absolutely. How easy was that, Dennis? Thank you very much. Like that's, I'll be, like I'll be parking my car tonight. That's the, like that's like we're on the one yard line and we're gonna hand you the ball to give you the free touchdown. Unless you're the Seattle Seahawks, then you might throw. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, uh, Dennis's name is going to the grand prize draw for one hour at Fast Track Indoor Karting, valued at a thousand bucks. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. That's an interesting point. Picking, a, I, I, I don't know if, if the Oilers would base. Smith's puck handling on giving him the start against a certain opponent. I don't think they've ever mentioned that this year, but that, w- that was interesting. He brought that up. Uh, I'm sure everything goes into the decision. I think the type of team they're playing against is this a team that dumps it in, is it a team that's quick, any of those things. They, they look at every possible angle, and they probably have a stat for every possible question to decide. But at the end of the day, you go with your gut, and I think Dave Tippett, more than not, has been right with his gut decisions on goaltending. Well, the goaltender at the other end, he is one of the early season stories in the National Hockey League. Darcy Kemper gets another victory. He goes to 7-3. and three. His goals against average remains below 2. Here's Kemper, courtesy BDO, first call, debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, license insolvency trustees. This was all hands on deck all night, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, not a great, uh, great start. Uh, uh, you know them squaring it away, but uh, you know back to backs, you got to rely on all the lines, and uh, you know everyone, everyone was contributing. Uh, you know that's a really tough line to play against, and they got last change. So uh, I thought everyone, whoever was out there, did a great job. Up it was that Grabner goal, the response goal for everybody, really. After it was one nothing in the blink of an eye. Yeah, just uh, you know whenever we've been getting a lot of those goals, just uh, you know to go into the, the intermission only down one in this case uh, even uh, after that first uh, uh, huge huge for us and then uh, we were able to get the lead from there. The five-man group on that top line though what were you seeing in front of you on, on those guys? On uh, their their top line uh, I thought we just did a great job of uh, uh, trying to limit their rush chances that's where uh, where they're so dangerous and uh, you know they beat you quite often off of that so did a you know really responsible job of staying above them uh, whoever was out there and uh, you know it was a, a five-man uh, unit defending against them. What's overtime like when you get the miss at one end, it goes the other way? How are you conscious of that? Uh, over time, they're going to get some chances. So, you know, it's just an opportunity. you got to look at it as an opportunity to try to make some big saves. Uh, tonight, I don't think they got a shot, so uh, it was an easy one for me. All right, Scott Johnson working the Coyotes dressing room. That is Darcy Kemper, who gets the win tonight. He was beaten 91 seconds into the game on the first shot of the game by Connor McDavid, another one for the captain's highlight reel. Yeah, it was a wonderful play. Again, it was quick hands at the blue line, taking the puck from one side to the other to at a kind of a lunging Ekman Larson. And then once he had that step, Ekman Larson had absolutely no chance at all. And again, this isn't a, a minor league call up. This is the Arizona's best defenseman and has been for a number of years. And Connor went all absolutely flying around him and then it's him going in on camper with full speed uh, he has no chance uh, nice play keeping the, the puck on his stick to the last possible minute putting it just around the end of the skate and into the wide open net and at that point you're thinking Whew, this might be a good night for the Edmonton Oilers in their top line but again and the reporter just asked that question the response quickly by Grabner and the Coyotes. That was a huge goal by Arizona to all of a sudden quiet down the crowd. Yeah, both teams scored on their first shots on net tonight. Just some stats of note here. Oliver Ekman-Larsen played 29-11. Derek Stepan got the game winner, had a rough night in the faceoff circle, only won 5 out of 20. You would think that they, because they had him take all almost every draw for Arizona, you would think, okay, maybe we got to go to someone else yeah, because it's not true. working right now for Derek. Connor Garland Dynamic little player. I've uh, got four shots on goal in 12 minutes. That was the shot leader for the Coyotes. Face-offs for Edmonton, they were 56% tonight. Dreisaitl led the way, won 12 out of 16. Nugent Hopkins won 10 
out of 14. Ice time leader for the Oilers. Was it Leon ahead of all the defense? No, I think Oscar, 27. Oh, pardon me. Thank you. 27-35, and Leon led all forwards. And four shots on goal for Nurse, Nugent Hopkins, and uh, McDavid. Nugent Hopkins having a... He's getting the shots. He's not getting the finish, though. No, and he's, had a, he's getting a couple really good scoring chances, too. They're just not going in. But that's one of those... You, you're still happy you're getting the shots. You're still happy you're getting the, the, the looks. Eventually, they're going to go in. He's too good a player for them not to. Uh, but that's one of the things I, I, that they put Cassian with that line. I think they wanted Cassian to kind of jumpstart them with his speed, with his forechecking. And they did create some good scoring chances. But for this team, I mean, to think of how little offensive output they've got from lines two, three, and four for them to be sitting where they are in the standings, they've got to be pretty excited about that. Rob, when you played, how much, if at all, did you talk to your own goaltender about things that you know bothered him that other offensive players did so you thought okay I'm going to be that way around the other team's net or would you ever ask your own goaltender hey do you see anything in this other guy's technique or style that I could exploit I'm glad you explained it more because when what's bothering you like is it is it stoplights you don't oh. like shopping on <laughs> Thursdays um yeah, I, I would. A lot, of, a lot of the time it was usually with the backup goaltender. Okay. Th those usually were the guys who were a little more social, a little more open about stuff. And, and you, a lot of times you're sitting on a bench with the backup goalie, and he'll see things, and he'll tell you things. Okay, this guy doesn't like this. Here's what you want to do when you get down low. Look at, watch his glove hand. He's carrying it low. Watch him on the faceoff here. He's not really tracking the puck. So the backup goalies are really looking at that, what's going on on the other end. That's where you get your tips from. And then... It, like for shootouts and things like that, that's where you go to the backup goalie on the right. bench. What have you seen? What is he doing? And they'll give you a little bit of advice that way. So, yeah, you talk. I mean, all players talk. It's usually during the game, it's, there's not as much talk between line mates as you think, just because usually when you get to the bench, you're exhausted mm -hmm. and you don't want to talk. So you just sit there quietly till it's your shift again. But when, when you get chances between periods and stuff like that, that's when usually you talk about things that you want to change or things you can be better at. Jay-Z texting in. I don't think the artist. Really? You never know. <laughs> oh, you never know. It is, That's true. It's totally anonymous on the text line. Uh, he says, hi, guys. What are your thoughts about taking Clefbaum off the first unit power play? He has a weak shot and is too predictable. What about Baron Nurse being there? I think if you're going to go anywhere, it would be with Bear first. I think that the Oilers would love to have a right-handed shot defenseman for one-timers. I, I really do. Um, it just adds a, a huge element to their team. If you got Connor McDavid or Leon Drysettle on their off wing and they can feed it to a guy in the middle who has a one-timer. The problem for, for Clefbaum is whenever he gives it to Clefbaum, he's got to stop the puck and then readjust his body to put the puck on net. Um, it's something that they've talked about over the last number of years, trying to find that. Clefbaum does read the play well. He does move the puck well. Uh, they... I mean, they, they enjoy playing with I mean, this is a top five power play unit. So this is something, even with the fact that they don't have a right-handed guy to play on it, they still can find success. So they're trying to work their power play with what they have and what they can do. But yeah, I, I don't see Nurse being that guy, but I, I could eventually see Bear getting some looks or down the road, wow. you're going to have Bouchard. We know down. that's whose spot it's probably going to be eventually yes. for sure. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the Coyotes. They are 10-4-2 on the season. 780-496-0063 will welcome Tony to the show. Hey, Tony, thanks for calling. Go ahead. So I have two comments tonight. Um, first, every time someone says, oh, my gosh, what can Connor McDavid not do? You know, I'm not surprised on what this kid can do. He's probably, as everybody says, he's probably the best player in the world. Um, the one thing I noticed from the very beginning of the season to now is that when we were on the power play, we weren't passing as much and we were getting more pucks to the net and just, you know, exploring the small stuff. But now it seems like we're passing more and we're just trying to find that right pass. And I just want to know why did it all of a sudden change from getting pucks on the net, trying to get rebounds? in the slot and like I believe Neil's still parked out in front but what's changed from when we went you know amazing at the very beginning of the season to now well one of the big things anything that the Oilers had success with early in the season on the power play the opposition video coaches are going to mark it all down 
and take those options away. So anything the Oilers were good at, well, here's what they want to do. Let's take that away and force them to do something else. Uh, again, their power play had some good looks and had a couple good chances. Not going to score every night. Sometimes the penalty killers are better, but uh, I anything that the Oilers have changed is probably because the opposition has taken away what they want to do. They had a stretch a few games ago where they, they weren't entering the zone very well, yes. and I wonder if that was their sloppiness or, or if teams were doing something different in the neutral zone. No, they were t teams at that point... I mean, everyone knows that the Oilers are going to come up the middle and they're going to throw it back and have Connor come up full speed. Right. So they try, I'm sure they track where he usually likes coming in and then they just overloaded and made sure that those guys were standing in that position. I mean, it's, there's, no, there's no secrets. You, there's nothing that you can devise and say, okay, we're going to do this today. Well, they've seen it before because they've watched all the video. Uh, and so whenever some team comes in in middle of a game, you're like, okay, here's what they're doing. They're taking this away. Let's change it and go back to this way and see if they can adjust themselves. So in-game adjustments are huge nowadays with video telling you what they're going to do before the games. Oilers fall 3-2 in overtime to the Coyotes. We're back after the break. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. And here comes Connor McDavid with drives on the left to right. Edmonton in the orange. McDavid's flying. He's in on net. He shoots and scores. And Edmonton takes a 1-0 lead on a breathtaking rush by Connor McDavid. His seventh comes 91 seconds into the game. It was a beauty. It was the first goal of the game. However, the Coyotes get the last goal of the game to beat the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. Here's Connor McDavid. Yeah. And they got off to a good start, Connor. But what about that kind of middle 37 minutes or so there? Uh, I mean, we, we weren't great. Um, you know, for the first half of the game, I thought. Um, second half, we, we, you know, we found our rhythm, played fast, played with a little energy, got pucks to the net. Um, and I thought we were, we were pretty good. The coach has talked about it a couple of different times this year, just kind of taking care of the puck. Some of these turnovers, is it a matter of trying to do too much? Or is it a little bit careless? What are you, what are you seeing there? Which ones are you talking about? Just, just turning, turning pucks over in general. I think Tip's talked about it a few times this year. Maybe a few times. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the, you know, the first goal, um, you know, obviously um, you'll need to chip it in or something like that but um, ultimately we had guys back and, and um, you know, I thought we did a good job recovering um, you know we got to try to make plays too at some point mm -hmm. you know, I'm all for protecting the puck and I think we've done a good job of that but you know, we need to make plays at some point um, you know, I thought uh, you know other than that maybe a little mistake I thought our line was pretty good with the puck I thought that the lines were really good with the puck um, you know, making good decisions so all right, that's Connor McDavid gets his seventh goal of the season, but the Oilers lose tonight. Game one of a three-game homestand. Next up, the champs. St. Louis Blues are in town on Wednesday, Rob. It's always fun when you play against last year's champions, uh, and you see where you rate, where you uh, are against a team like that. You, you, you measure yourself against them. St. Louis isn't the same team right now. They're missing Tarasenko. He's out for a while, but this is a team that overcame a lot of adversity last year. Went from the worst in the league to... The best in the league. It'll be a fun night. A chance to, to rebound after a rare loss on home ice and hopefully come out with a, a better effort right from the get-go. The Blues have won four in a row. They're 9-3-3. Three, and three. They play in Vancouver tomorrow. Oilers and Blues on Wednesday, 5 o'clock face-off show. That game starts at 6.30. You can get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. They lose an overtime 3-2 to the Coyotes tonight. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer at Rogers Place. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our producer, back at 6.30 Ched. Oilers Hockey is presented by World of Spas. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.